The horse racing industry in this country is struggling. The industry employs up to 30,000 people and contributes as much to the country's GDP as fishing or wine, but says it needs more support. This Radio New Zealand Insight investigates whether thoroughbred racing has a future in New Zealand. It's a Sunday here at Tarapa Racecourse in Hamilton. It's the last day of the jump season and the feature race is the Waikato Hunt Gold Cup. Not normally a big event on the racing calendar, but in early days you could expect a much bigger race day crowd. But today I'd estimate no more than a thousand people here on course and the main grandstand is all but empty. For the Waikato Racing Club, like any other racing club in the country, the cost of running a meeting is the same, regardless of the number of punters at the track. A club makes most of its money from taking a percentage of on-course betting only, and not what's bet online or at the TAB. Racing clubs are struggling. Courses are often in need of big reinvestment to be able to provide facilities people now expect. Stake money is seen by many in the industry as too low, and trainers and owners rarely make much money. It's all pointing to the need for a rethink for the industry before it risks sliding into obscurity. I'm Andrew McRae, and this insight delves beneath the race glamour to explore the challenges facing a complex industry held together by people with a passion for horses and racing. Look, we've definitely got some uh, serious issues that, that need to be addressed. You know, I've, I've been working pretty closely over the past couple of months with uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing as well as the Racing Board. And you know, the Racing Board, since its inception uh, about nine years ago, um, really haven't performed as the industry had hoped. Um, there's been some very costly policies that have been unsuccessful and, and cost the industry a lot of money. And unfortunately, un until they sort of start to run their ship better, then they obviously return the, the uh, money to the industry. It, it's going to be a long, hard struggle. Tony Pike is the president of the Trainers' Association. He's been a trainer for 16 years, and for him the single biggest issue facing racing is the stake money, or winnings from each race, which are reasonably low in all but a small number of high-profile feature races. If owners aren't uh, gaining a return from their racing uh, of horses, then uh, there's just a complete lack of investment in the industry, and it, it just snowballs from there. So I think, you know, if, if you ask anybody, um, you know, one of the most successful administrators of, of racing is... Um, John Massara uh, in Sydney, and he's always pushed the line that uh, you know you've just got to keep lifting stakes to get the returns to the industry participants. And uh, if if stakes increase, then it's it's just a natural snowball effect. There'll be more investment in the industry, and uh, you know, activity will increase, and our product will only get better. Yeah, this this is a uh, barn of, of 40 horses. These boxes are um, uh, five metres by five metres, so they're you know pretty good size boxes for horse stalls. And um, they come out of here twice a day. They'll go out. They work early in the morning, and some will go out in these four paddocks out there. They turn about, and but all the horses will go on the walk in the afternoon. Lance O'Sullivan, a former top jockey, is now a trainer based in Matamata. He says most people work in the industry because they're passionate about it, rather than having an expectation of making much money. Well, you do have to love it because you know the you know unfortunately the financial rewards aren't there for the for the amount of work that that we do. In fact, I, I think there was there was our leading trainer of a few years ago. He's now residing in Singapore, Mark Walker, and I think he worked out his hourly rate was seven dollars something an hour for the hours that he put into the industry. So the the hours are incredibly incredibly long. So um, you know, if you go back when I was a kid in the seventies. 
and you go along to a race meeting at Ellerslie or Wellington or even a local Matamata race meet, the crowds were there. Um, there, was, there was a huge hype about it cost probably the owner about $18 a day to have a horse and work. The, the, the stakes were bigger then in some of our events than what they are now. And, uh, of course, in comparison, in comparison, you're sort of paying $65 a day to have a horse and work. So the figures just don't add up. But as far as the, um, you know, the, there were so many more jockeys, so many more owners, so many more people wanted, wanted to be involved where unfortunately that's not the case. Back in the 19, the end of the 1980s, I think we had six races with a million dollars or more. Now we haven't got one. So, you know, we're, we're you know, un- the unfortunate part for us is, is we actually budget to lose X amount of dollars every year. I know it sounded, that sounds pretty sad, but that's just a reality. Another of the 700 professional thoroughbred trainers in this country is John Wheeler. He's been a trainer in Taranaki for over 30 years. He says the contribution to the New Zealand economy from racing is as great as the wine industry or fishing, but believes racing lacks the credibility of those industries and doesn't get the same support. Even poker machine money, uh, people begrudge us getting it. The, the rugby union gets probably four or five times more than the thoroughbred um, code, and uh, they, I would say they would be barely employ a thousand people. We employ 30,000 people full-time in the industry and create a lot of work and and get no support. Like, it's expensive to run racing and it's expensive to run horses. You just need stakes increases to um, to sustain it because at the moment we're going backwards. We've gone from 7,000 broodmares to 3,500 broodmares and a fast diminishing pool. Horses and racing for entertainment have been part of New Zealand since early days. The first horses landed in New Zealand are thought to have been brought to the Bay of Islands in 1814, and the first ever race took place at a makeshift course in Hagley Park in Christchurch in 1851. But today's top jockeys like Mark Duplessis need to spend a lot of their time overseas in places like Australia, Singapore and Hong Kong to earn a decent living. Mark Duplessis came to New Zealand from Zimbabwe in 1998 and has won about 1,200 races in his career so far. Ever since I've been here, and I think for a long time before that, the midweek stakes have been, have been a, a, a big talking point with everyone in the industry. Even the races on, on our big days and Saturdays, uh, they could at least be a lot higher. I don't know the percentages of it, of, of how high they should go, but when we did get some government funding and tax relief, uh, I think that was a good 10 years ago or so, our stakes increased dramatically and everybody seemed to be pretty happy. I mean, we had $2 million races and uh, a lot more bigger staked races, which everyone seemed to really enjoy, and it kept the good horses here and it kept the good trainers here and the good jockeys. You know, without that, you lose all those key figure people in, in the industry, which is, a, which is a huge shame because we breed some of the best horses in the world in New Zealand and we've got great horsemen here and as I said, it's, it's, it's an industry that's so huge that unfortunately is, um, doesn't, it, it seems to be in a, in a bad spot and has been for a while. Closely intertwined with thoroughbred racing is the horse breeding industry. It reached a peak in the mid-80s when about 7,000 foals were bred each year but that number has since declined and currently stands at 4,000 a year. Gary Chittick has worn many hats in racing. He's chaired a racing club and the racing board 
and until recently he's owned one of the country's leading horse studs, Waikato Stud near Matamata. The things we hear about today, we've probably heard about for 30 years. You know, it is a difficult industry to keep everybody happy. He's disappointed over how much money actually filters down through the industry, but cautions anyone in racing who expects a good return. It is still a combination of sport, uh, passion, and it's only a business for a limited number of us. Most of the people that we sell horses to, it's something they do, you know, apart from their business. The other thing you've got to remember is that uh, a very significant number of them, it doesn't matter what the stakes are, because they don't actually win a race. Their horses aren't good enough. So the argument about stakes is if you are lucky enough to have a horse that's good enough, should it not have the opportunity to win enough to keep you in the business of racing? And there's no question that that's in a terrible situation right now. Whether it's any more terrible than it was a long time ago, I'm not actually sure, because I said these, these concerns have been going on a long time. It costs up to $3,000 a month to have a top-end horse in training. Andrew Birch is the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Marketing. He says for owners to recoup anything, their horse needs to win. But like jockeys, he believes prize money is too low. I think in an ideal world we'd have the, the racing industry here would be very, very healthy and it would certainly make our, uh, our job of having to sell a lot of our better stock offshore uh, not required, you know. Um, we'd love to be retaining a lot of the better stock in New Zealand to race, but unfortunately, you know, the prize money is so good overseas, particularly on our uh, next-door neighbours' um, shores in Australia, where, you know, they're running for minimum stakes in Sydney of $85,000 on a Saturday, $80,000 in Melbourne on a Saturday, um, $65,000 in Queensland on a Saturday, so it's pretty appealing prize money. And people all know the Melbourne Cups, the Caulfield Cups, the Cox Plates. Well, a Melbourne Cup's worth $6 million, so, you know, just to give you an example, we run for about $50 million total, so in, in the space of a few races, they account for that sort of money. There are about 3,000 races each year at over 300 meetings held by over 50 different racing clubs. The number of tracks is described as crazy by some in the industry because of the cost to maintain them and for the distances horses need to travel to race. Dennis Ryan is the editor of the racing publication Informant and is also the president of the Matamata Racing Club. He says the club relies on income from its training track and from three significant race days each year. They are our three opportunities to make a decent dollar. Balancing that, we have uh, another 10 industry days, which are midweek, low-key affairs of lower stakes and, um, and basically a service to the industry, to our locals and to others that come to race on our track. They can be a very fine line between... You make a small profit sometimes, but, um, and, but very rarely a profit that you say it really is worth the effort. But we understand that we have a a obligation to the industry to conduct these meetings, but there is a fine line there also, and there's not a lot of skin in the game when it comes to that. Some small clubs only race one or two days, and the bigger ones a lot more. The racing board recognises about 12 courses around the country as significant venues, and there are five that are seen as strategic courses. The more important clubs and tracks get more funding. The Otago Racing Club, the second biggest in the South Island, races 12 days a year at Wingatui. Its chief executive, Andre Klein, says there's still a place for smaller racing clubs. Loads and loads of race goers have their first ever race day experience at the likes of Wackawiney or Cromwell or Omakau, Kurau in particular. So I, I, I'm 
really strongly opposed, really strongly opposed to see um, a reduction. Or if there is going to be some rationalisation, they've got to think, they've, they've got to get involved with local people to make, before they make those big decisions. And I think they would. There certainly are some venues around the country which probably um, aren't necessarily required going forward. You know, there's some clubs that have a couple of licences which don't have, they don't have a big race day. Um, and the community is not supporting the facility or the, the, you know, the amenity. And those ones that perhaps look at, you know, for, for, for closing. But the reality is you've got these big centres. I mean, you only have to look at Wingatui here today. It's, it's, it's a huge facility, 100-odd horses trained here. Um, it's pretty, even though the function centre's doing weddings every weekend um, and there's, there's constantly, you know, events going on and we've got shared facility users, um, it's not being utilised anywhere near enough. And, you know, we could be staging, you know, I'd say... 20-plus race meetings would, make, would be a huge result for this club. Andre Klein's counterpart at the Waikato Racing Club is Ken Rutherford. The club holds 19 meetings a year on its track at Tarapa, and the financial situation can be uncertain. Of our 17 days, we're probably only making money in, on about six or seven. Uh, our costs are our costs, and the 17% of on-course turnover, which is our business model, doesn't quite cover our costs on probably 10 or 11 of our 17 race days, so that's a concern. And quite frankly, if we had a rainy day, or even worse, a rained-off day on our cup, on our Caro Times Gold Cup day, which this year falls on the 13th of December, if that was some reason was abandoned or poured down with rain and was the spectacle was diminished somewhat, uh, we would be in dire straits. We were really reliant on that one big day we about eight to 10,000 people come on, the, on course to, to really make as much money as we possibly can to survive for the rest of the year. Ken Rutherford says one way for clubs to get more out of their race days would be to get more on-course punters. example of that is I know a lot of clubs have thought about bringing back just on-course bet types. In the old days, you had to be on course to have a jackpot bet or a treble bet or you know, race-to-race doubles, which were just on course. You know, some 25, 30 years ago, and, and the clubs themselves would benefit from people coming just to bet on those pools. Didn't benefit off course, didn't bet your guy, you know, in the TABs in the middle of town in New Zealand somewhere. So the industry as a whole wouldn't necessarily be supportive of an initiative the club might have, which would benefit just the club, and probably rightly so. Ladies and gentlemen, there are now only four minutes left before the time closes. The racing board which runs the TAB collects all money from betting on racing, which is nearly $2 billion a year. 83% gets paid out in winnings to punters, and most of what is left is split between the three racing codes, with about half going to horse racing. For thoroughbred racing, this amounted to $72 million in the last financial year. New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing is the governing body, and its chief executive is Greg Purcell. He says racing in this country is world-class, and while it's the eighth biggest racing industry in the world, it's not without its challenges. The reality is in New Zealand, stakes money is lower than some other countries. And uh, just like uh, wages and other things are lower to comparable other, some other countries as well. Stakes money is, is an important facet and one that we clearly are looking to improve and develop. But uh, at the end of the day, the, there's a number of challenges confronting the thoroughbred racing industry in New Zealand. The, mo the main one is to ensure that our sport remains relative and attractive to New Zealand citizens. Greg Purcell says the punters and the owners are vital to the industry and need encouragement to stay involved.
He says to return to the days of rugby racing and beer, the sport needs to ensure it remains mainstream. Greg Purcell says ways to make racing more exciting, including improving the race day experience, higher quality race broadcasts on TV and embracing new technology to encourage betting. Money isn't the sole driver of thoroughbred racing. It's a sport more than a business. It's actually for passionate people that, um, you know, get really hooked on the excitement and buzz that racing can give you. It's a unique sport and activity and one that you can really enjoy. Glenda Hughes has been the chair of the New Zealand Racing Board for just over a year. She's well aware of criticism levelled at the board from various sectors of the industry, complaints over poor stake money, overspending by the board and about not enough money trickling down to those working at trying to make a living from racing. I want more to be distributed to the codes and I have spoken to most of them in the last sort of probably in the last couple of months including the trainers and the owners. This is a problem that you always have um, in what I call a cooperative or a franchise model. It won't matter how much we give them, they will never be happy. But what I would say to you is that, yes, I think they should, get, they should have more and we need to actually make sure that we're chasing every piece of revenue that we can and also that we, um, and I've promised them that I will be unwinding as many of what I consider are the excessive costs um, as I can. Glenda Hughes agrees that stake money needs to increase, but she's never known racing people to be happy with the level of prize money or what she calls earnings. She also believes that there may be too many racing clubs and tracks in this country. If we started again, I'm sure that we would not have the race tracks that we've got. The issue is that um, closing down race tracks is actually also um, costs a lot of money at this stage, and so therefore we are better to work and invest the money in the areas where we will be able to get the revenue quicker. But yes, I would probably say that there are too many, and if I had started with a plain sheet of paper, I would definitely not have the number of racetracks that we have at the moment. Ken Rutherford from the Waikato Racing Club cites a comparison with South Africa, where with a population of over 50 million people, the country only has eight race courses, a third of the number 10 years ago. And they realise that there's no way with the ageing uh, market, interest in horse racing, less people going to the track, less people owning horses, less people being involved in industry as a whole, there's no way they keep that kind of infrastructure going. So it was a hard decision to make, but we're seeing now in South Africa the, the benefits of that uh, decision years ago, and that prize money is, is increasing for, for ownership, and the whole industry has done to be reinvigorated as a result of that. While trainer John Wheeler agrees there are probably too many race courses in this country, he cautions about closing any down. The thing that I would say is that uh, Nelson closed down their racing club a few years ago now and since then they, their TAB is the poorest performing TAB in New Zealand and I think that really says it all. Our tra traditionally every small centre had a race course and uh, providing they don't cost the industry a lot and I don't think they do. If, I if one at my back door, Waverley, they pretty much run it all themselves, they've got their own sheep on it and um, and they, they make it pay and good luck to them and I think uh, they, they should, they're entitled to stay. I don't see a huge advantage in closing up race courses just for the sake of it but there are race courses around there where structurally they're just about buggered and you can't, you can't afford to spend money on infrastructure of race courses that are pretty much obsolete. One major issue facing racing is the growing amount of offshore betting on local races. 
It's estimated that at least 300 million is spent via internet betting. Not a cent of it comes back to the industry here, estimated at about $50 million in lost revenue. Dennis Ryan from the racing publication Informant says the industry is right to be concerned about it. Offshore betting is um, a concern insofar as um, people are attracted to other betting models other than our TAB, which is a in-house monopoly, which is fine, uh, it's the way it needs to be. Uh, by monopoly, they've still got to be competitive with other outside forces. As you say, the offshore corporate corporates who do participate for, at no cost to feed off our product, which is a total injustice in my book. Glenda Hughes from the Racing Board says she's in talks with the government to bring in legislation to stop overseas agencies taking advantage. The issue is that we have people complaining to us that we don't give good odds in our wagering, well, we actually can't because we, as good as the offshore, because we pay for our product. In other words, we do give money to our racing industry, we do give money to our sports, we pay tax, and we actually pay problem gambling fees. And the people that come in on the internet that aren't um, doing that can obviously give better odds than us. And then, so then you've got to rely on the New Zealand public wanting to be, you know, um, Kiwi supportive. And as you're probably well aware, people that um, are, have uh, like betting and things are normally looking for the best return. So that's one of the things that we're really focusing on. While most in the thoroughbred racing industry agree that changes are necessary, they don't all agree on solutions. Andrew Birch from New Zealand Thoroughbred Marketing says horse owners are watching the situation very closely. Look, if they don't make the changes, I think it'll, it'll gradually peter out. We'll see fewer horses raced within New Zealand. We'll see... Um, I think it'll be a slow and gradual death if, um, if we don't make some sweeping changes. In the past, the government has given racing tax breaks and other assistance. And racing writer Dennis Ryan says that would be welcomed again, but the industry shouldn't expect much. There are far more important things in the country than the racing industry when you're talking about health, education and, let's say, roading and other necessary spending. When I say far more important, there are politically they're, they, they are concerning every member of our of the, of the country and to expect an industry which as I say doesn't have a lot of um, direct involvement by, by the majority we may be pushing our luck to expect the government to step in and say oh here's some more money just go for it boys spend it as you like it's not like that as I think looking at the broader picture that people have got to understand that inside this industry that want to criticise investment or spending at that level. 2011 was the last time a New Zealand bred horse made it to the prestigious Melbourne Cup and wins by a horse from this side of the Tasman, names like Farlap, Vanderham, Kiwi and Empire Rose are becoming a distant memory. Trainer Lance O'Sullivan's in no doubt that racing is in trouble. The, the industry's in a lot of difficulty and things have to change. If they want to, you know, we're seeing each year the number of horse trainers, the number of horse trainers that are reasonably successful pulling out of the industry because they just can't make it work. So unless something changes, we will see you know, more and more people pull out of the industry and you know, I don't know where it will end up, to be honest. For horse breeder Gary Chittick, the question of how he sees the future of the thoroughbred industry is one that he's been asked for over 30 years. And We've got bigger and bigger and bigger, so either we're very stupid uh, or we're very passionate. It's probably the latter. We're probably very passionate about what we do. And I don't think racing will ever stop if that's the, if that's the uh, in either country, Australia and New Zealand. I think that it'll always be a significant part of what we do. So I think that um, yes, from a racing point of view, 
it'll keep going. Clubs will keep going. Clubs will do things. It's amazing that sponsors. It's just a shame we can't just uh, chisel a bit more out to you know to come to, come down the food chain. And uh, we're working very hard at trying to do that now. Racing has played an important part in the New Zealand lifestyle. It was once the place to go for a fun day out when everyone got dressed up and communities came together at their local race course. It's this spirit that the racing industry is working hard to get back. Making a day at the races enjoyable for all now involves more than just horses. Fashion in the field often attracts more people than the actual racing. Greg Purcell from New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing says industry is and will remain an important part of New Zealand society. New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing um, has you know, 12,360 um, individual participatory owners that had a horse start in a race last year. We had um, 5,500 horses start in a race last year. We have about 4,000 foals born every year in New Zealand, so we're the, about the eighth biggest breeding um, country in the world for thoroughbreds. So, you know, we actually have some great uh, attributes in New Zealand for racing. We have a heritage and a great passion and tradition for it. Um, but yeah, there's clearly areas of improvement and we need to ensure that we actually stay relevant and uh, attractive to New Zealand. The chair of the racing board, Glenda Hughes, says one of the most important changes that is needed and which is underway is greater use of digital technology to encourage interest in racing and in particular betting through the TAB. Because what's actually happened is that there's a whole sector of New Zealand at the moment that we're not in touch with and uh, that's because of this problem with the IT. So the digitising of the business is probably the complete priority as far as I'm concerned. But Glenda Hughes is optimistic about the future of racing in this country. When I took this job over, I never thought that it was going to be easy. I knew there were a lot of challenges. I know that there are a lot of people with huge passion in the industry. My aim is to get them all working together. My aim is to bring the codes closer to the board and bring the actual stakeholders closer to the management team of the New Zealand Racing Board. But I have a very good diversity of skills and some very good people sitting helping me. Otherwise, um, I don't think I'd be able to do the job. Trying hard to peg it back, but Supremity's going to beat them all down to the line. Supremity's got it one by a length at the line from the dimple tight for third mile. I'm Andrew McRae, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Sean D. Wilson.